0: Hello and welcome to the Consumer Goods Forum End-to-End Value Chain Podcast. My name is Joelle Mbouillard-Leclerc and in this podcast series, you'll be hearing industry insights from experts working towards collaborative solutions that benefit the entire value chain. I'm away on maternity leave at the moment, but I'm delighted to leave you with End-to-End Value Chain Director, Rudy Hagedorn, who is your new podcast host while I'm away. Over to you, Rudy.
1: Welcome, everybody. And so this is a new series of the end-to-end podcast. I'm here today uh, with Rebecca Liao, co-founder and COO of Skew Chain. Hello, Rebecca.
2: Hey, Rudy. How are you?
1: Thank you. Fine. Thanks for taking the time to being with us today.
2: No, thank you for having me.
1: Uh, It's a pleasure. We've been collaborating over the years uh, quite a while and in a recent blog you published as part of the end-to-end value chain blog here at CGF, you mentioned COVID-19 has exposed weaknesses in the supply chain and companies having to make adjustments to prepare for the future. What do you think is the most important thing to focus on over the next two years or so? Um, How about long term, if I can add that? Long question. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Absolutely. Uh, No, I mean, once again, thank you for having me. I think this is a a really critical time for supply chains to take stock of where they are, where their operations are, and how they can um, set themselves up well for the future. Uh, So what happened with COVID-19 was uh, not necessarily that there were uh, huge demand spikes and companies weren't able to meet that demand. It's a sort of uh, phenomenon where if you have An external shock like that. There's very little that any organization can do to uh, to cope with it. However, uh, The bigger problem was that supply chains for a while just didn't know what was going on. And uh, to a certain extent, they still don't know what's really going on uh, within their operations. Uh, So to Illustrate some effects of this for consumers. I'm sure for a lot of people, the experience is still that when you go to a grocery store or when you go to a retail store, at least in America, like Walmart or Target, and you look for uh, really hot items like toilet paper uh, or disinfectant wipes or gloves uh, or face masks, um, you're likely to face some sort of difficulty Uh, In buying those goods, they're out of stock. There is a limit to how many each consumer can buy, uh, et cetera. And this was not surprising at the beginning of the um, pandemic lockdown when uh, a lot of these producers were still trying to adjust to the demand. Uh, But we're a few months into this situation now, and it's still the case that we're not able to keep up with demand or even for uh, manufacturers that um, were shut down for the most part of the uh, lockdown period and there weren't many people buying their goods, such as apparel, Uh, they are now struggling to ramp up production again. So all of these problems speak to the same core problem, which is visibility and the lack of visibility in the supply chain beyond what we call the tier one supplier. So tier one is a supplier that sells directly into a buyer. Uh, So if I am, call it um, Nestle, for example, I supply directly into Walmart. Uh, I sell a lot of candy there. Uh, A tier two supplier to Nestle is uh, somebody who supplies the um, the, uh, cocoa beans themselves, or even the, um, the raw material for the, uh, for the chocolate bars, et cetera. So that, that's how we're organizing the supply chain. I would say that most uh, supply chain operations have pretty good relations with tier one and you know what's going on there, but the problem arises when you don't know anything about what's happening at tier two, let alone tier three and further upstream. So visibility uh, is a huge problem, um, and it prevents supply chains from being able to combat these disruptions. I would say in the short term, we need to set up programs uh, to um, gain more visibility in the supply chain and do so without vastly increasing cost. And then uh, in the long term, I think the aim is to increase adoption of uh, whatever program you come up with to make sure that you actually do get visibility in the supply chain. Um, I don't think this is as much a danger now because we understand how long this pandemic lockdown is going to last, Uh, but I think that there was a feeling that supply chain operators would look for uh, very quick solutions that would solve small problems uh, over these last few months and then Wait for the lockdown to lift and things would relatively, um, you know, return to normal. Uh, But I think now we understand that we'll be in this current situation for about two years. uh, And beyond that, uh, that supply chains will uh, completely change. And so now is a good time to start investing in solutions.
1: Yeah, sounds very good. I mean, lots of companies are now looking forward of how to design the next month, right? So it's a very difficult time for most. Right. And um, being hit by something that was unexpected uh, as we all witnessed it and now finding a way around this, like uh, stand up mm-hmm. and dust yourself off. <laughs> and um, yeah, but you mentioned the visibility piece. How do we get... Pr- to more visibility in the supply chain. And and I would guess most often people say, and how can I do this uh, even also achieving cost reduction? Do, do you see that there is a converging way or are these completely different opposite directions?
2: Yeah, so um, these are sort of the twin goals of supply chain operations right now is how do I find out what's going on um, in in my supply chain and how do I do it uh, by I mean, obviously I'm gonna have to spend money on that, but how do I achieve a net benefit for the company? Um, so visibility, let's address that first, is all about data nowadays. Uh, so how do you get more data from your supply chain and how do you get more clean and precise data? It's no good if your, uh, say, tier two supplier or tier three supplier, uh, et cetera, just dump uh, a lot of unintelligible data into a system and it's up to an end buyer who needs to be looking after their supply chain to figure out what's going on. Uh, so you need clean and precise data from from the supply chain. Uh, and for that, you need participation from your suppliers. And that's, that's the name of the game. I would say that for any sort of supply chain management solution, you need the adoption of suppliers and the issue with visibility is the benefits of visibility really accrue to the end buyer. It's the end buyer who gets that predictive value, who understands uh, when they can expect new goods to be coming in uh, so they can uh, modulate their production schedule and um, really be able to predict when they're going to be able to satisfy demand. Uh, From the supplier's perspective, honestly, if they deliver the goods uh, and uh, are able to continue receiving orders, they're happy. Uh, so visibility is not all that important to them so there has to be a value proposition for the supplier as well and that's where the cost reduction comes in cost reduction is obviously important for everybody in the supply chain um, but for a supplier it is the difference between being able to get the raw materials to uh, fulfill your orders or having a really crunched cash flow Um, That limits production. Uh, So, in terms of cost reduction, I wouldn't so much look to efficiency gains, although those are important. Uh, What I would look to is financing. Uh, So, how are you able to get capital in the hands of suppliers at a competitive rate so that they can actually um, continue operating uh, and possibly produce more so that if more orders come through, they're able to fulfill them? Uh, So, those are sort of you know, two hints of how we, we start addressing each of these problems.
1: Yeah, sounds yes, sounds clear. Now, these are of course then two objectives. They seem to be linked. And again, how can we maybe then get supply chains to pursue both and yeah. get out on the winning lane?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, uh, they are linked, Uh, so I'll I'll tell you why in a second, Um, but historically the reason why they have not been linked is, you know, supply chain is broken down into the flow of information, money, and goods. Uh, So, information and goods are, for the most part, controlled by supply chain operations. Uh, They're the ones who make sure that production is on schedule, that relations with suppliers is good, Uh, If you need to switch up sourcing, uh, then they're the ones who are able to achieve that. Um, Finance, on the other hand, and the flow of money, that is uh, usually governed by an end buyer's finance department. Treasury, uh, people who are overseeing the management of balance sheets, cash flows, uh, and if there is a supply chain finance program that's offered by an end buyer, it's typically the finance department that sets that up. So first of all, you're talking about two very di- different departments that oversee these different objectives. Um, but the reason they're linked is that um, in order to uh, get your suppliers to give you more data, you need to give them some sort of incentive. and. From the perspective of the banks, the financial institutions, the finance departments who will green light uh, giving some sort of financing to the suppliers, they need visibility into the goods because now you're talking about actually basing uh, financial transactions off of uh, whether the goods are delivered, whether they have past quality control, um, if you are talking to a supplier who wants financing much earlier in the production cycle. So not after they've already finished the goods and delivered them to you, but before, when they're still producing the goods, then visibility becomes even more important because you want to know exactly what you're financing. Uh, So the two go hand in hand at the end of the day. So is there something that exists that uh, allows for the two things to merge? I mean, we know that conceptually they are linked, but is there an actual product uh, that will uh, link visibility and more data with uh, financial support for your suppliers? And the answer is yes, it's called deep tier financing. Um, Deep tier financing is as the name suggests, uh, it is financing of suppliers that are in the quote unquote deep tier of the supply chain. So beyond tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, et cetera, um, all the way upstream. And the idea is for these uh, smaller suppliers, uh, what you're able to do is um, to offer them financing uh, on the condition that they provide you uh, the, supply chain documentation, information about the goods related to what they actually want financed. Um, That data has enormous predictive value because you're already starting to get uh, important pieces of information such as quantity, um, what is it that they're shipping, what is the ETA, where is it coming from, Uh, et cetera, et cetera. This level of precision is necessary to uh, consummate any sort of financial transaction. And it just so happens that it's also the same kind of data that would be incredibly helpful for visibility. Um, So because deep tier financing requires that this data be uh, given anyway in order to get access to financing, it's a really great way for supply chains to sort of kill two birds with one stone, if you will. Uh, so they are able to get the data that they want uh, but at the same time they're able to uh, use the data to finance their suppliers Uh, in terms of from the perspective of a supplier is this kind of financing even attractive that's a really great question because uh, suppliers will on their own arrange financing um, all I'll say is, you know, deep-tier financing can be configured a lot of ways, uh, but uh, two key things that we um, know are true across all deep-tier financing programs. One is that the um, financing cost is always going to be the end buyer's interest rate, which is typically the lowest in the supply chain because they're the biggest player. So that's a significant financial cost savings. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that, you um, A uh, supplier is very, very cautious about giving any sort of commercial information um, outside their immediate buyer, uh, because that starts to lead to um, commercial advantage that they didn't really sign up for. Uh, So in that case, uh, the end buyer does need to give the um, supplier's assurances that their data will Uh, remain private to the extent that they want it to remain private. So granular control over data privacy uh, is something that needs to be offered to the suppliers as well.
1: Okay, that that makes it clear. That makes it clear. So I want it. So how do we implement deep-tier financing?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So deep-tier financing uh, is best done on a blockchain. And I know we've heard a lot about blockchain uh, over the last, I I wanna say four years now. Um, And uh, blockchain has run into, I would say a lot of business problems. Um, It is a young technology and it continues uh, to um, be upgraded. There are a lot of exciting developments that will make blockchain a lot faster, um, also a lot more secure. Uh, and just much more scalable and adoptable as a technology. But I would say the issues that blockchain ran into over the last few years have more to do with the fact that uh, it calls up business problems that are very difficult to solve, namely the problem of coordination, um, the problem of uh, privacy, and how do you maintain privacy on a distributed ledger? Uh, So, When you look at deep-tier financing, it actually solves a lot of those business issues. You know, what is the incentive to collaborate? How exactly do I maintain uh, control over the privacy of my information? Uh, So deep-tier financing starts to um, solve uh, each of those problems. And how do you implement it exactly? So I would say pick between visibility and financing, pick the one that is more important to you. Is it more important to uh, support your suppliers financially or is it more important to you to get this data from your supply chain? And um, when you figure out uh, which one is more important, then you know where to start. Uh, So for example, if you believe that visibility is more important, then you start to ask your suppliers to onboard um, onto a blockchain system that will give you access to uh, say EDI documentation or other supply chain documents that will become useful uh, for the financial transactions down the line, Um, but for now is giving you great data about what's happening in your supply chain. And again, um, I keep bringing up privacy because this really is a deal breaker for a lot of suppliers. They have to be assured independently that uh, their data is only being revealed to the extent that they are comfortable with it being revealed. And again, a blockchain gives uh, suppliers or anyone who's submitting data a lot of control over exactly who sees what. Uh, Now, turn it around if visibility is important, but actually uh, your suppliers are really cash strapped and you just need to get them financing then I would start on the financing end. And that involves talking to banks, for instance, uh, working with your closest bank partners to set up a deep tier financing program. Uh, Again, it's likely that your bank partners have tried this before and it's been unsuccessful and they've been looking for something, uh, namely technology to help them scale out such a program. And that's again, where blockchain comes in. Um, so that's, that's how I would start, is pick the objective that is more important to you. Is it visibility or cost reduction uh, slash financial support? Uh, and then from there, you have an idea of where to begin.
1: Okay, got it. So, I mean, we talked about blockchain, financing, we talked about visibility, we talked about data a lot. And uh, let's assume that a lot of CPG companies still have a lot of manual paper based processes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's assume. Yeah. <laughs> How hard or easy is it to implement these changes, you know, in their supply chains that you just mentioned? Based right. On your experience.
2: Yeah. So I would say that it's a lot easier now. And it's only because we, I think, now live in a world where uh, it's no longer acceptable to have. Um, manual paper-based processes long-term. So the resistance to digitization before was that, uh, having um, people who are well-trained, or who don't have high labor costs, uh, do a lot of these processes instead, can actually be quite efficient for these companies. There's no need to introduce technology um, to uh, support any of these functions, or even replace any of these functions. Uh, but I think what COVID-19 has taught us is there are times uh, when manual and paper-based actually stops a process altogether. It's, it's not just a matter of slowing it down. Um, it actually makes something uh, very difficult to achieve, particularly in supply chain and trade. So I think we're past the point of having to sell digitization, which is um, a big mindset shift and also a big help towards uh, moving to the next generation of supply chain. Um, Now, having overcome that obstacle, uh, it's a matter of implementation. So I think that um, when you hear things like deep tier financing or when you hear things like visibility uh, or supply chain finance program, the temptation is to think big. Uh, And you should think big because it's a big vision. But having said that, implementation is not going to be all at once. Uh, I think that uh, there needs to be um, perspective on how exactly you roll out these kinds of solutions. So I would say that it's not difficult to implement and that it's easy to get started. uh, And then from there, it picks up steam and more suppliers will join once they um, are aware of the benefits of these sorts of programs. Uh, And from the perspective of the end buyer, it'll become easier to manage them as well. And and you start to see the benefits multiply. Um, But I I think that as long as uh, there is um, the appropriate perspective that this is a stepwise process, then uh, implementation is actually quite manageable. Um, so we at SKUChain have been working with a lot of companies to implement these programs. We've been talking about this concept for a while, but it wasn't until COVID-19 hit that uh, companies really realized the urgency uh, of doing one of these solutions. Uh, so I would say the time is right to, to go ahead and start something. And again, it, it won't be the case that your supply chain will adopt it overnight, um, but uh, they will definitely uh, be motivated to adopt these solutions uh, in a meaningful way in the short term, and then in a more complete way in the long term.
1: Very clear. Rebecca, you know a lot. uh, It's a pity our time is restricted here (laughs) in these podcasts. And uh, I I came up with a restriction. So um, that's uh, maybe I should work on that. (laughs) Rebecca, where can people find you if, if they have more questions?
2: Sure, so uh, you can always find me at Rebecca at skewchain.com. So it's my direct email. Uh, You can also find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, um, if you just Google my name. But uh, honestly, if you go to the skewchain website, skewchain.com, you'll be able to find not just information about me, but about a lot of these things that we talked about today.
1: Perfect, excellent. So dear listener, in this podcast, we broke down the supply chain into goods, information, and money. And Rebecca shares with us what you should be focusing on in the next years, especially if you are paper-based. <laughs> How to combine visibility and cost reduction, something everybody tries to get there. And Rebecca shared a little step-by-step guideline. What role can deep-tier financing play in all this plan? And we are also looking into the easiness of possible changes. And of course, we also talk about blockchain. Thanks again. Good stuff. And we hope you like this podcast and that you join us on our next one. And if you're curious and have not read the recently published blog post with Rebecca, please head to our website and look it up.
0: Thank you and goodbye. And thank you very much to our listeners for tuning in to yet another episode of the End-to-End Value Chain podcast, and be sure to catch the next one. In the meantime, to listen to previous podcast episodes, or for more information about the End-to-End Value Chain initiative, please visit www.tcgfvaluechain.com.